For those of you who might not know, my name is Jonathan. I'm the campus pastor here. Uh, We are delighted to have you here with us on our kickoff Sunday. Uh, What you just saw, let me just explain for a moment, uh, is going to be our series that we're going to be taking on for this fall. It's called Doubt. And uh, essentially what we're going to be doing is looking at all of those questions you just saw flash across the screen, uh, all of these big faith barrier kind of questions, and we're just going to talk about them one week at a time. So we're going to talk about some big topics like why does a good God allow suffering? Uh, Doesn't science discredit the Bible? Aren't Christians just hypocrites? Isn't there just way too much hypocrisy in church history? And so it's going to be quite an interesting series. I really encourage you to to come on out and hear uh, those topics. And so I just wanted to let you know we're going to be starting that now next week. Next week is when we're going to be uh, beginning that series. Uh, You're going to get a study guide. It's going to have actually the whole list of everything we're going to talk about. So you'll have a schedule. You'll be able to actually see what what we're doing and when. And the reason I want to tell you that now, first of all, is just simply because I know that some people are definitely asking those questions. So if that's you and you're asking those questions, I want to encourage you to actually come out, especially for those weeks, and actually hear what, how, do, how does Christianity deal with some of these big questions. Second reason I want to bring that up to you today is just because you might be talking to people who have these kinds of questions. This is a great time. Invite them out. Come on out to hear how we're actually going to talk through these things. It's going to be a very different kind of sermon series than we normally do. It's going to be very topical, very systematic in its approach, Uh, and I think it's actually going to be very, well, I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be a good series. So I encourage you, uh, come on out for that. Uh, We're going to be starting off next week. We're just going to be looking at doubt uh, and how we deal with doubts as Christians. What is a Christian response to these big questions? So start off next week with that. But this morning is our fall kickoff, so we're going to go in a little bit of a different direction. Uh, If you, ooh. Sorry? <laughs> if you've been here, you'll know I've almost done that many times. Uh, <laughs> uh, so for today, we're going to go in a different direction. Uh, we've been spending the summer looking through the book of Philippians. Today, we're going to a different spot. We're actually going to jump into the book of Isaiah. So if you have a Bible with you, let me invite you to open there. Isaiah chapter 52 is where we're going to go. Now, I know it's always a little funny when we call today our our fall kickoff, like the beginning of a new year, because realistically, we're nine months into the year, and it's not as if we had stopped everything before today, right? We've been running church all the way through summer. We've, in fact, been doing ministry. All kinds of things have been happening over summer, so it's always a little funny to say, this is kickoff. Here it is. We're going to begin today, right? But the truth is, it is a start, right? September is a start of a whole bunch of different things. It's a new season as fall kind of kicks into gear. The kids go back to school, NFL comes back on TV, and Starbucks has, you know, pumpkin spice everything starting now. So it is, it is the start of something new. And often this is a time where we start actually looking ahead and saying, okay, well, what am I going to all get involved in, right? We, we have all kinds of things that come into our lives. Our schedule starts filling up pretty quickly. In fact, there's all kinds of things. There's everything to do with school and all the, the homework and the projects around that. If you've got kids, they might be starting things like hockey practice and choir practice and piano practice and whatever else is all going on. You end up almost becoming a taxi driving your kids from one thing to another just to pick them up again and do the whole thing tomorrow. 
It's amazing how fast our schedules can get filled up and we are completely busy. And so before we get there, before we actually have gotten to the point where everything is completely overwhelming, it's good to take a moment and actually stop and say, what am I committing myself to? What exactly am I going to be doing with my time? How am I going to be filling my schedule? And what does that say about the priorities that I hold? Really, that's part of the reason we want to do fall kickoff is just to simply give us a moment to say, all right, let's pause and say, what are we looking forward to in this next season? What does that look like for us? And so this morning, I want us to look at that, and I want us to see what the prophet Isaiah has to say into this moment. It's a little funny to go to an Old Testament prophet to say, what is it talking about today? But really, what we're going to see is his message is still for us today. In fact, he has a lot to say that is very applicable to our lives. So if you have a Bible, let me invite you to open Isaiah chapter 52. We're going to start in verse 7. If you have a Bible, you can follow along with me. It should be on the screen as well. This is the Word of God. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared His holy arm before all the eyes of the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her, purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. For you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Well, that's as far as we're going to read this morning. Let's pray this morning. Oh, Father, we thank you so much. Lord, that you speak to us, that you continually call us, that you have given us this this message of great joy. Oh, Father, I pray as as we look into your word, Lord, would you reflect back to us the the beauty of what you have done, the, the amazing goodness of the task and the calling that you have given to us, that we could be messengers of the great news of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray this morning, would you be working in our hearts that we would long for and love you more and more. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I, I'm gonna, I intend to keep this fairly simple, right? This is a text that we could certainly spend a long time going through, if for no other reason than we're jumping into chapter 52, all right? A lot has taken place before this moment, and so it's always a good idea simply um, to realize that while we're going to talk about some of the context, we're not going to necessarily unpack everything. But what I want us to see this morning is is the call that Isaiah has for us. I want us to see what does it mean that uh, what Isaiah is talking about, and I want us to see the beauty of what God has called us to do, to be captivated by the beauty of God's salvation with such joy that we would long to actually tell others about what God has done. 
So that's really what we're going to do this morning. We're simply going to walk through this text, and I want us to see what God is calling us, how His Word affects our lives even this fall. So let's look back at our text. Verse 7, simply called the first point, the beautiful feet. Verse 7, Isaiah starts off and he says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Right? Isaiah starts off and he has this, this image he's going to work with of, of a runner. Right? You can think of just a marathon runner who is going to run from one place to another. Right? In fact, if actually you know where, where marathons come from, a marathon is 42 kilometers, right? It's 42 kilometers, which is a really weird number. Right? Why, why not 40? Why not 45? Well, if, if you know the background to how that number came out, well, it's because there's this old Greek story about this, this uh, runner who was uh, from the city of Athens. He had gone out with the army in order to fight against this invading force, and they had actually won the battle. They weren't certain that they were going to do it, and so this runner then took the message and ran 42 kilometers back to the city of Athens, where he pronounced one word, victory and then he dropped dead, <laughs> right? This is why I don't run marathons, because that seems like a bad idea, <laughs> right? Well, okay, while I have no idea whether that story actually happened or not, actually, it's the same thing that Isaiah's writing about. Isaiah was actually writing long before that story came into circulation, but that's the situation he's talking about. He's talking about a runner who is coming back from the battle scene and is bringing with him this message of what has taken place. You've got to remember, this is a time long before there was anything like, you know, electronic communication, phones, email, any sort of broadcast. And so the only way that people in that city would ever learn what took place was if someone came back and told them. And, and just, just put yourself in that city for a moment. You're, you're a resident in one of these ancient cities, and, and you watch as all of your army is leaving and flowing out of the city, and now you wait. And you've got this knot in your stomach as you're sitting there wondering, who's the next person who's going to come over that hill? Is, is it going to be our troops returning, or is it going to be the enemy forces coming to kill all of us? Right? They would have had a bag packed with them at all times as they sit there, knots in stomach, ready to flee at any moment until one day, finally, a, a runner does make it over that hill, and you're left there going, okay, is it good news or is it bad? Is he coming to say, get out of here as fast as you can, or is he coming back and saying, we won, it's over, you're safe? You see, that's the picture that Isaiah is talking about, and he's saying how beautiful it is when that runner comes over the hill, as he comes down into the valley and up into Jerusalem, when he has good news, can you imagine all of a sudden the relief? Oh, we thought we were goners. All of a sudden now, this is a message of joy. This is something to celebrate and be glad about because actually they're not facing death. They have been saved. Well, if you know anything about the context of Isaiah, you'll know actually that's pretty much exactly what was happening. Right? Isaiah is not just talking about some sort of metaphorical battle. No, there's a real invading force that they were facing, right? If you know the first 50 chapters is Isaiah starting to explain what's going on. Right? Isaiah comes to the city of Jerusalem and he says, okay, guys, like you were called to obey God and you have been just disobeying Him since the very beginning. Guys, what are you doing? 
Actually, you need to turn back, follow after God. And so, what is going on is Isaiah is calling these people, return to God, return to God. And so, they're warning him, actually, God's going to be sending an army against you if you don't. There's a consequence to your sin. And actually, as the story goes on, they ignore Isaiah. They say, go away, we don't want to hear that. And eventually, the Assyrian army actually does come down on them. Assyrian was, or Assyria was the biggest world superpower at the time. They were this massive, massive nation coming down to crush tiny little Judah. And if you know the story, they go all the way until they hit the capital city of Jerusalem, and they surround the city. And all of these Assyrians are sitting there laughing at, at Jerusalem as, the, as they have no hope to get out. Slowly, they're starting to actually starve in the city because no one can get fresh supplies. See, they were actually facing this moment where they were wondering, I guess this is it. Like, we are going to actually die in this place, but God was about to act. See, God was going to actually redeem His people, even though they had disobeyed Him, even though they had been faithless, God was going to be faithful. He was going to show them love and grace and mercy, and He was going to deliver them. God comes and He sends an army, an angel army, actually against the Assyrians, wipes them out, and they flee back to their home. And in the face of utter defeat, God brings salvation. And so Isaiah writes, how beautiful are the feet of him who, the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Jerusalem, your God reigns. How amazing it would have been to bring that news back to the city. You, you thought we were done for. We thought we had no hope at all. And now, now we are saved. Now we have hope in what is to come. Isaiah continues to write. He says, the voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Right? The guys who are standing watch on the wall, waiting for this messenger, waiting to see what would happen, are suddenly breaking out into this amazing, resounding chorus of joy. We have been saved. Verse 9, break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Even the most destitute places in this city would be filled with singing and joy because of what God had done. God had comforted His people. God had redeemed them. See, that must have been an amazing thing to be that runner, to be the guy who actually ran back into the city and says, it's over. We are saved. We're not going to die. Actually, God has rescued us. Let's rejoice and celebrate. It would have been an amazing thing running all the way around this city, just yelling that at the top of your lungs. We actually have victory. God saved us. See, the amazing thing is that we actually get that privilege here today, I mean. See, Isaiah, he, he's talking about this one battle, but he's using that as a picture to what is still yet coming up ahead. He's talking about this, this salvation that God is going to do, this, this clutching His people out of death, and Isaiah is going to say, God is going to do that, sure, in this little battle, but it's going to be far greater what God is going to do. 
See, the truth is, we are in that situation where we have rebelled against God, where we have a consequence to our sin, but the good news of what Jesus came to do is He has saved us from that. Actually, that we don't have to face that death. We won't face that judgment against our sins. But that for all those who would trust in Him, we would be saved. Actually, that's a great message, isn't it? That is a good thing. That's something we'd long to be able to share. Think about all the things that we we share with people all the time. Right? We, we have Facebook and Instagram and all manner of social media. And what do we want to do on there? We want to share good things. We want to share about happy experiences in our lives, all the amazing things that have happened. We love to post those things. In fact, that's just part of who we are. The more joyful it is, the more we want to share it. How much more then do we get the joy of being able to declare that God has actually saved us? See, I think sometimes we as Christians almost forget this. We're almost apologetic when we want to talk about our faith. We almost think that, that, that actually what we're bringing isn't good news, that it's a message of happiness, joy, a peace, of salvation. This is a good thing that we get the opportunity to actually share with others, right? No doctor is afraid to share the news that their patient doesn't have cancer. That's a great thing to be able to share with others. So we get this opportunity to share. Actually, we're not going to face this wrath. Actually, we can be saved. Let me tell you about the good news. We get that joy. We actually have a message of good news for all people. Psalm 96 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the people. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. We are called to tell of His salvation day by day. Let us never be ashamed of the good news of what God has done, but let us run with joy to be able to share what God has accomplished. And see, that's what Isaiah wants Uh, his readers to understand. They actually get to participate in this, just like a runner gets to come back and share joy. So we get the opportunity to tell of God's salvation. But the question is then, well, what are we called to share? What, What shall we say when we go? Isaiah writes, verse 10, he says, the Lord has bared his holy arm before all the eyes of the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. See, Isaiah is clear, this is going to be God's salvation. This is going to be a work that God himself is going to do. This isn't about how good we can be and if we can work ourselves up to, to save ourselves. No, this is going to be a message about what God has done and how He has saved us, right? Isaiah uses this little image of, of God bearing His arm, sort of rolling up His sleeves in order to get something done. All right, God is now coming to work, and He says it is His holy arm, Actually, that that what God is about to do is going to be in keeping with His character, His perfect, pure, blameless character. It's going to be in accordance with all justice that He has done. And so the question is, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to say that that God is going to act in His holiness? How, How does that help us? 
How does that actually equate to good news? If God is going to forgive them, isn't He just going to let all of the, the sins they had done go? Isn't that what He's going to do, just simply say, well, you know what, it didn't really matter, it doesn't matter what you did, I'll just let it go, it's all fine. Actually, no. God, God isn't going to simply say that. In fact, Isaiah goes on in the next chapter and he gives the reason why is it that God can forgive. Chapter 53, verse 5, he says, there is coming a servant. He says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, Isaiah says, there is one coming, servant of God who has not sinned, who has never gone back against what God has called him to do, and he will be the one who redeems us. He is the one who is going to bear the punishment for what we have done. Jesus is that servant. He is the one who is coming, who has lived a perfect life, and he died on a cross, not because he had done anything wrong, but because we had. Actually, he died in our place. He took that punishment we were supposed to have so that now anyone who trusts in him would be saved. See, that is a good message. That is good news. It's not about how much we can do. It's not about how much we can accomplish or figure out for ourselves. It's God who has done it all, and we are simply called, would you trust in Him? doesn't matter what your background is. doesn't matter what you have done, all the sins that might be piled up in your past. I love how Isaiah ends this phrase. He says, before the eyes of all the nations and and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. This isn't an invitation. This isn't a message for only a few. This is a message for everyone who would hear. If you're here today, this is a message for you. That if you would simply just turn back from your sins, that you would repent, confess them to God, and trust in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. That is a message of good news. It's not about what we can do. It's about what God has done for us. What we get to be, what we get to be is the messenger. We get to be the one who carries on that message. And so our calling is simply that. Share then what God has done. Verse 11, Isaiah says, says, depart, depart. Go out from there, touch no unclean thing, go out from the midst of her, purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. Right? We are the ones who are called, having seen what God has done, having experienced this salvation, now go out, depart, actually share what God has done. Right? Isaiah uses now a new image. It's an image of, of someone who's walking into the temple bearing the, these holy vessels, these, these instruments they would use in their worship. And he says, so purify yourselves. Actually, make yourselves ready to, to serve God fully with all of yourself. Right? To put it in another way, if God has saved you from your sin, don't go back to it. 
right? You are called to bear the news of God's salvation, and so let it be now reflected in your life, right? If you've ever, if you've ever gone and tried to share your faith, share a little bit about what you believe, you're probably going to face one fear right away. It's the fear that you aren't worthy to do so, right? Because immediately you're going to be reminded of all the bad things you've done. Maybe you're going to be telling, you know, this to someone you know, and you know you've messed up, you've lied to them, you've hurt their feelings, whatever it might be, and all of those things are immediately going to come back. So let me give you two things from this passage. One, God saves sinners, not saints. God saves people who have sinned, not perfect people. The whole message of what Jesus has come to do is that He did it, not us. Actually, that that if we're going to be good representatives, it means we're honest about the fact that we have failed, that we have sinned, that we still struggle with this stuff sometimes, and and we're trying, but, but the good news is that God has done it. And so, we are called to be messengers, not perfect specimens. Second then, Let that spur us on to live more and more like Jesus every day so that we can actually share the gospel without hindrance. Let that be a fire in us that says, I I don't want to continue on with this. I want to be pure before God so that I can share this without any reservation. We're actually going to continue to talk about this in our sermon series that's coming up called Doubt. We're going to talk about Christian hypocrisy. We're going to spend a whole, whole week on that, so I'm going to leave it for now. But beyond all these fears, God actually gives us a promise. Verse 12, he says, For you shall not go out in haste, you shall not go out in flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear rear guard. The promise is that God will be with us in all of it. That as we go out, as we depart and share this good news, God goes with us. He will go before us and He will go behind us. And I hope that charge sounds just a little bit familiar to you because it's the same charge Jesus gives to His disciples in the Great Commission. After Jesus dies and rises again, this is what He, write, or this is what he says. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus sends out His disciples and He says, go now, make more disciples. Why? Because the one who has authority over all things will be with you always. It's it's the reason why we can go out in confidence, knowing that God is going to be with us. He will be before us. He will be behind us. The one who has authority over everything, he is the one who goes with us as we share this message of joy, of happiness, of peace, of salvation, as we get to share the good news of what God has done. So as we start off a new year, as we kind of reset our schedules, as we reevaluate all the things that we're going to be involved in and all the things that we have planned, where does this charge land for us? Where does this fit into all of our plans? I know I always have a hard time actually getting things done that I haven't planned for. So where does this fall? 
Where are you at in this? Maybe you just simply need to start and say, I actually need to know more about who Jesus is. Maybe I just need to know a little bit more about what is it that he has done? What does it mean when you say that Jesus died for our sins? How does that actually apply to me? If that's you here this morning, oh man, I'm so glad you're here. We'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to talk to you. Come talk with me. Come go find someone that you are here with or you know, whatever it is. Keep on exploring that. Make time to actually figure out what is it that Jesus has done, right? There's no magic formula that you need. It's simply this. Would you turn from your sin, confess them before God, and then just trust that He has done it all? That's what it takes. Jesus died and rose again. If you can do that this morning, this good news is for you. Maybe you know Jesus, but it's been a while since you've actually acted. It's been a while since you've actually pursued after that to actually get to know Him more and more, to actually ready yourself to be serving Him. L- let me call you this fall. W- would you put that into your schedule? Would you actually find time to, to say, you know what, this is a time I- I'm going to sit down and just read my Bible. I'm going to give myself 10 minutes every day simply to do that. Maybe it means you need to get involved with something like a life group, a small group of believers who can encourage you, hold you accountable, pray for you, speak into your life. Maybe things like men's ministry, women's ministry. Take advantage of these things because actually that's the point. We want to help you grow in your faith more and more. Maybe you may actually need to be serving. Maybe actually you've been sitting for a while and it's time for you to actually begin to engage because as you do that, you're going to be growing more and more in your faith. It's amazing. Whenever you have to teach something, you end up learning a whole lot more, right? Actually, maybe that's the step God's calling you to take this year. Maybe it's actually you're going to start, start actually teaching into something so that you can be growing and learning. Right? Maybe it means you actually need to put into your schedule time that you can be sharing your faith. Maybe it means you need to actually change things around. Maybe you need to actually go out for coffee with some of your coworkers, people you spend all day talking to about nothing important. Maybe it means you need to make time to talk to your neighbors, your, your family, join a gym, get involved in a sports team or a book club, some way that that you can have an opportunity to talk to people about what God has done so that you can share this good news. You can participate in what Isaiah is calling us to do, what Jesus is calling us to do. Let's be messengers of this amazing good news that God has done. Not because this is some sort of lifeless mandate, not because you're going to earn points, but because you're so gripped by the beauty of what God has done that you're willing to give everything for it. See, that is my prayer. That's why we're here. That's why this church exists. It's not simply so that we can do Sunday morning. It's so that we can actually declare the amazing beauty and goodness of what Jesus Christ has done. That's why we meet literally on our wall right there, to be authentic followers of Jesus who lead others to do the same. It's just that simple. Everything we do serves that goal. Let me say, I'm, I'm excited about this year. I'm encouraged by the work that God is always doing, and I'm looking forward to seeing what God is going to do. So, so would you pursue that together?
Would you be so gripped by that passion to see that beautiful news go forward? I'm praying this is a mountain covered in feet of those who are running out to tell the good news. What's my goal this fall? Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we are so thankful. Lord, we are so thankful that that we don't have to earn our way to you. That that we don't have to try and earn our way to, to be made right with you, but actually you sent Jesus so that we would be made right. Father, that that you have accomplished this salvation that we could not in our own strength do. But Lord, I pray now, would you so grip us with the majesty of what you have done? Would you so overwhelm us that we would long to do nothing else but to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Father, I pray, would you open up doors for us to do that this year? Father, would you, would you compel us, even just in our personal lives as we go about our days, would you open these opportunities for us to be able to speak the good news of Jesus Christ? Father, we thank you for these things. Thank you for saving us. We pray now. As we continue in worship, Lord, would you be glorified in all we do? We ask these things in your name. Amen.